Hello and good morning and welcome to the Claps Experiment, where we're going to discuss things that might get us in trouble on YouTube. Yes, there's more names coming out from uh, Epstein's uh, client list. Yeah, his personal calendar, his, his uh, Epstein's private calendar emerges. Yeah, so dates and times along with some names, what could go wrong here? Among prominent names listed are, <laughs> drumroll, Biden CIA chief and Goldman top lawyer. Yes, you can find a link to this article at thecollapseexperiment.com. And uh, yeah, this is also available in podcast format. So, what do we have here? We've got, in 2014, current CIA director William Burns had three meetings, three, with Mr. Jeffrey Epstein when Burns was Obama's deputy secretary of state. Was this after he was convicted of certain things with, with kids? I think so. Uh, and after Epstein had been convicted of uh, what I just described, yes. The Wall Street Journal reports Burns and Epstein first met in Washington prior to Burns visiting Epstein and his Manhattan townhouse, according to a trove of leaked documents that include Epstein's schedules, which were not contained in Epstein's black book of contacts or flight logs. So this is adding to it. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Oh, no, is right, especially when it comes to a CIA director. <clears throat> Wasn't there a case not that long ago, maybe less than a year ago, where we found out that CIA operatives were uh, dabbling in illegal activities, kind of what's described in this whole Epstein case, uh, and they weren't being prosecuted? Wasn't that a thing? Perhaps, I don't know, maybe that wasn't operatives. Maybe that was uh, directors included. Burns, who became CIA director under Biden in 2021, met with Epstein while he was preparing to leave his position in the government. Huh. I wonder how they got him to stay. According to agency spokeswoman Tammy Cooperman Thorpe, the director did not know anything about him other... The CIA director did not know anything about Jeffrey Epstein. Are you effing kidding me? The director did not know anything about him other than that he was introduced as an expert in the financial services sector. Okay. And offered general advice and transition to the private sector. Oh, I'm sure there are some private things going on with private parts and private places. She said, adding that they had no relationship. Uh-huh. I'm sure it was just business transactions. Mr. Burns, 67 years old, a career diplomat and former ambassador to Russia. Huh. That's odd. Had meetings with Epstein in 2014 when Mr. Burns was Deputy Secretary of State. Still, he had no idea this guy was convicted of weird shady stuff. The launch was planned that August uh, at the office of law firm Steptoe and Johnson in Washington. Why a law office? So they can hand them some cash and say that this, this meeting is private, confidential. We'll have lawyers present and bring some kids in the room. 
for, I don't know, daddy-daughter career day or something. Epstein scheduled two evening appointments that September with Mr. Burns at his townhouse. The documents show after one of the scheduled meetings, Epstein planned for his driver to take Mr. Burns to the airport. Okay. Mr. Burns recalls being introduced in Washington by a mutual friend and meeting Epstein once briefly in New York. Said Ms. Thorpe, the director does not recall any further contact, including receiving a ride to the airport. Huh. Okay. One month after meeting with Epstein in October of 2014, Burns stepped down from his role at the State Department to serve as president of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Nothing says peace like meeting with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Uh, of course, this was a think tank. Think tank. It means that they get paid high dollars to do absolutely nothing. Stuff that I do on the toilet every morning. Coming up with ideas. He ran it until he was nominated by Biden to serve as CIA director in early 2021. Huh. Epstein also had dozens of meetings with then-Obama White House attorney Catherine Rumler, who went on to become Goldman Sachs' top lawyer in 2020. Epstein also planned for her to join him in 2015 on a trip to Paris, and in 2017, a visit to visit his private island in the Caribbean. Yeah, we, we, know, about, we know about that island. According to a spokesman for Goldman, Rumler had a professional relationship with Epstein. Professional. What was what was Epstein's profession? I, he was convicted of it. So what kind of professional advice was he giving to these grown adults uh, doing things with people? Yeah. Uh, tied her role at a law firm of Latham and Watkins and did not travel with him. I regret ever knowing Jeffrey Epstein. I have a feeling there's a lot of people that regret ever knowing Jeffrey Epstein. According to the documents, however, they knew each other very well. Following Epstein's 2006 conviction for bad stuff in Florida, uh, he asked for avocado sushi rolls to be on hand when meeting with Miss Rumler. According to the documents, he visited apartments she was considering buying. In October 2014, Epstein knew her travel plans and told an assistant to look into her flight, see if there is a first-class seat, he wrote. If so, upgrade her. Wow, so he's he's making all these arrangements for high people uh how how does he he know these uh these people that well i mean what exactly was his job no one actually knows like how he even got his money uh that's another mystery within weeks of rumler's 2014 departure from the obama white house funny how obama keeps coming into this Epstein planned an August lunch at his townhouse, followed by a series of meetings to introduce her to his acquaintances. The two first met when Epstein called her to ask if she would be interested in representing the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. All these weirdos are tied together, a relationship which never panned out. 
Epstein and his staff discussed whether Miss Rumler, now 52, would be comfortable with the presence of young women who worked as assistants and staffers at the townhouse. Assistants. With stuff. Uh, the documents show woman emailed Epstein on two occasions. Woman. Women. Women emailed Epstein on two occasions to ask if they should avoid the home while Miss Rumler was there. Epstein told one of the women he didn't want her around and another that it wasn't a problem the document showed. Perhaps she was uh, Rumler's type, huh? Miss Rumler didn't see anything that would lead her to be concerned at the, the townhouse and didn't express any concern, the Goldman spokes, spokesman said. Epstein also connected Rumler with Ariane de Rothschild. Of course. Why wouldn't a Rothschild be involved in this? Current CEO of the Swiss private bank Edmund de Rothschild Group, Rumler's law firm was hired by the bank to help them with the U.S. regulatory matters, according to the bank and the Goldman spokesman. Yeah, the Rothschild, who married into the famous banking family, met with Epstein over a dozen times. Again, what did this man do for a living? Because we know what he was involved in in his private time, but his private time seems to be all the time. Okay. In September 2013, Epstein asked Miss de Rothschild... In an email for helping finding new assistant, female, multilingual, organized. Uh, I'll ask around, said Miss de Rothschild, emailed back. She bought nearly $1 million worth of auction items on Epstein's behalf in 2014 and 2015. The document shows Miss de Rothschild was named chairwoman of the bank in jo January of 2015. That October, she and Epstein negotiated a $25 million contract for Epstein's Southern Trust Co. to provide risk analysis and application and use of certain algorithms. How much diddling can you do before you get diddled in prison? That's probably what the algorithm was uh, trying to figure out. Uh, according to a proposal... Reviewed by the journal, in 2019, after Epstein was arrested, the bank said that Miss de Rothschild never met with Epstein and it had no business links with him. That's called a lie. So, yeah, uh, nobody wants to have any associations with him, even though they, they did business with this dude. The bank admitted to the journal that it lied, in its earlier statement, and that Mr. Rothschild and Epstein met as part of their normal duties at the bank. Other notable in the new reports include, oh, here's the list, here's the list. This is probably going to get me kicked off of YouTube, but here we go. Leon Botstein, president of Bard College. Weird. Nam Chomsky, who is scheduled to fly with Epstein to have dinner at the... Um, Lover of Children's Manhattan Townhouse in 2015. He's not a very attractive man. He probably needed help with that. Unfortunately, uh, the help probably didn't have the age of consent. Poor Nam, but hey, wood chipper for you. 
anthropologist Helen Fisher, who says she didn't have anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein, but I remember it because of his spectacular house and because of these six young women. Six. Joshua Cooper Ramo, the co-chief executive of Henry Kissinger's corporate consulting firm. Henry Kissinger, also not an attractive man. Harvard professor Martin Nowak. No, Nowak. Yeah, Harvard. Who would have thought? Former Israeli Prime Minister Yud Barak. Yud. Yeah, probably not an attractive man. <laughs> I think Epstein's rule was find the ugliest people you can find and then convince them that these people want to... Um, have fun with them. <clears throat> More on Yud Barak. Given rumors that Epstein was running a Mossad honeypot operation, Mr. Ramo also was invited to a breakfast at the townhouse on September 20, 2013 with former Israeli Prime Minister Yud Barak, another regular guest to document show. Mr. Barak also met with Epstein. 2015 with Mr. Chomsky, now 94, a linguistics professor and political activist who has been critical of capitalism and U.S. foreign policy. Mr. Chomsky said Epstein arranged the meeting with Mr. Barak for them to discuss Israel's policies with regard to Palestinian issues and the international arena. Mr. Barak said he often met with Epstein on trips to New York and was introduced to people such as Mr. Ramo, Mr. Chomsky to discuss geopolitical or other topics. He often brought other interesting persons from art or culture, law or science, finance, diplomacy, philanthropy, Mr. Barak said. Uh, when asked about his relationship with Epsky, Epst, uh, Epsky, <laughs> Epstein, Nam Chomsky said, First response is that it is none of your business. He did bad stuff. Noam Chomsky. I am so sad to hear that. For anyone's or anyone's. Uh, second is that I knew him and we met occasionally. So his first response is that it's none of your business. Wow. Uh, nothing like uh, trying to convince people you did nothing wrong. After Epstein donated $850,000 to MIT between 2002 and 2017 and $9.1 million to Harvard between 1998 and 2008, Chomsky said in a 2020 interview that people worse than Epstein had donated to MIT. He didn't disclose their friendship at the time. People worse than Epstein. What, like Donald Trump, who's worse than Hitler? Um... Uh, who? I'd like to see that list as well. If these people are worse than Epstein, are they? do they have bodies buried under their front porch? Like, what is the story on this? Because um, this is a 2020 interview, and Epstein was convicted in 2006. So it was known as to what Epstein was into, and he's saying people worse than that. Or was he just talking about the Bush family or the Clintons? I don't know. Uh, but apparently he thinks there's people worse than Epstein. Chomsky said that at the time of their meetings was known, what was known about Jeffrey Epstein was that he had been convicted of a crime and had served his sentence. 
according to U.S. laws and norms, that yields a clean set slate. That yields a clean... No. No, it doesn't. N not really. Uh, yeah, you can go to prison. You can do your time. But in some states, you cannot vote. Uh, you cannot own a firearm. Uh, you, there's, there's a lot of things that come with being convicted of a crime like that, especially a felony. So, um, no, it doesn't yield a clean slate, and it should probably give you a good insight as to the type of person that you're dealing with. So, um, Chomsky, um, <clears throat> that's very ignorant of you, and at 94 years old, I think you would know better, but... <laughs> I'm guessing you couldn't say bad things about Epstein because there's probably, I don't know, a tape out there somewhere because the FBI took them and made sure that they disappeared. Okay, so what else do we have here? If that doesn't prove that they don't care about you, let's go to uh, Sudan, where if you are a U.S. citizen, they do not care about you. Trapped Americans in Sudan, shocked and disgusted, left by Biden to fend for themselves. We've heard this before, haven't we? I believe it was a little country called Afghanistan. Sudan is continuing to stare into the abyss of full-blown civil war as the battle for control of the capital of Khartoum between two rival generals now reaching the two-week mark results in the morning mounting death toll. Currently, dozens of countries uh, have for days been racing to get their citizens out via military transport planes, ships, and via crossing borders uh, in land routes to Ethiopia and neighboring countries. But not the United States. Because we, we pride ourselves on excellence over here. <clears throat> A surprisingly blunt report voicing intense criticism towards the Biden administration has been issued by CNN Friday. CNN, you know you are screwing up when you've lost the support of CNN, okay? The Communist News Network, they love their Democrats. And uh, for them to be doing stories about how bad Biden sucks, uh, you must really suck. Uh, which writes... As the crisis in Sudan continues to unfold, there is mounting anger among Americans who feel abandoned by the U.S. government and left to navigate the complicated and dangerous situation on their own. <clears throat> yeah. CNN further points out that robust evacuation efforts are underway by many countries. As we detailed below, a C-130 evac flight sent by Turkey even took on small arms fire while landing outside the capital, and the Chinese government said it has successfully evacuated at least 1,300 of its nationals thus far, with state media confirming evacuation operations outgoing by land and sea. China is better at this than we are. And they have, what, 2 billion people? Like, they, they could spare a few. Like, do they? They care about their people. It doesn't matter how many there are. They, they care about their people. It's about image. It's about their dominance and uh, what they're able to accomplish worldwide. So when we abandon our people, what the hell do our allies think we're going to do to them? That sends a message. If we're not willing to go above and beyond to save our own people, and then we're trying to go to places like Ukraine and say, hey, we have your back. 
but you don't even save your own. How do I know that you're going to come and help me? That's a question that leaders are going to express when they see Afghanistan, when they see Sudan. I am incredibly shocked and disgusted by the American lackluster response to the health and safety of their citizens. Uh, Muna Daud told CNN, whose parents were forced to exit via Port Sudan to Saudi Arabia. Because that's an awesome country. Yeah, another American stuck in Sudan called the embassy and State Department useless. To be honest with you, the State Department was useless, utterly useless throughout this entire period. A man named Ahmad said in an interview, We expected the department to provide some kind of guidance, but the guidance was the template. Just shelter in place, no critical information being provided. It's because you have a potato in office, and you're getting potato responses. So yeah, um, they don't care about... Epstein's um, <clears throat> clientele, they don't care about the victims, they don't care about Americans in Sudan. <sighs> and, but they, there is something that they do care about. DOJ uses orange-tipped guns as evidence to keep alleged Pentagon leaker caged. Oh yes, this has been all over Twitter. It's pretty funny, but it's not funny for the guy that it's happening to. The firearms pictured in Texera's room have orange tips, the hallmark of an airsoft gun. And there's certainly no bazooka apparent. So this is by Ken Silva, an awesome dude on Twitter. You may want to follow him. According to that alleged Pentagon leaker, Jack Texera should remain in pre-trial pre detention. The Department of Justice has claimed that the law enforcement found an arsenal of weapons where the 21-year-old Air National Guardman lives, including an AR, an AK-style weapon, and a bazooka. A, a bazooka. If it was really a bazooka, the ATF would have shown up and said, hey, that's ours. Uh, we're also going to prosecute the... A bazooka. Now, how, how credible is this? Well, let's see. However, the photos the DOJ had submitted as evidence tell a different story. The firearms pictured in Texera's room have orange tips, the hallmark of an airsoft gun, and there's certainly no bazooka. The DOJ said that the ATF had seized Texera's guns while the guardsman's father was permitted to keep his weapons. Wait, what? Okay, so the ATF seized Texera's guns while the guardsman's father was permitted to keep his weapons. I'm confused here because they say guns at one point, weapons in another. What exchange happened here? No charges were levied in relation to the alleged bazooka, which is illegal. No charges for a bazooka. What? No bazooka? I'm going home. Yeah, that's pretty much what the, the FBI and the ATF should have done at that point. Texera's public defenders did not address the DOJ's bazooka claims in their response filed Thursday, nor did they mention the fact that the weapons pictured in the DOJ's evidence had orange tips. I'm sorry, but the fact that they used the term bazooka and not the technical term as for what type of shoulder-fired rocket grenade propulsion device tells me that this is bullshit. This is 100% bullshit. Uh, there is nothing here. 
Um, they're not saying that it was a, a, I believe it's called a lore, you know, the, the one-off shoulder fired. You saw it in the movie Falling Down. Um, there's nothing technical here to describe what the hell this weapon is. If you hear that chirping in the background, I have eggs hatching, so uh, don't mind that. Um, yeah, so they're making stuff up in order to keep this guy in in jail in the meantime. And uh, it, it's just, it's for him, it's actually a really sad case. Um, of course, from the get-go, they were saying that this dude is not a whistleblower. Obviously, he's not a threat either. Um, they also tried to lay out evidence that <clears throat> he was planning a school shooting, which I don't believe any of that as well. So, yeah, uh, it's hard to believe anything that comes out of these people's mouths these days. Uh, let's see here. Oh, lights hovering over Las Vegas. You can see the video of that. There's a link at thecollapseexperiment.com. Yeah, UFOs are back. They're also uh, mutilating cows. Yeah, with their tongues and organs cut out. Sounds like the aliens are making some good tacos. And let's see here. We've got two more pieces of news. Uh, might as well consider this uh, World War III, end of the world, uh, say goodbye to the dollar news. Uh, the first one I'm going to cover is the First Republic. Uh, they are being taken over by the FDIC and handed over to J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan chased to buy most First Republic assets after bank fails. This was just announced a few hours ago this morning. J.P. Morgan Chase is buying most assets of First Republic Bank after the after the nation's second largest bank failure ever. In a deal announced early Monday that protects the deposits of First Republic's customers, J.P. Morgan Chase said it had acquired the substantial majority of assets and assumed the deposits insured and uninsured of First Republic from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the interdependent government agency that insures deposits for bank customers. It carried out this transaction. J.P. Morgan Chase is supposed supporting the U.S. financial system through its significant strength and execution capabilities, the bank said in a statement. You transfer money, invest it poorly, and transfer it. What? I never really understood. It's significant strength and execution, exec, execution capabilities. I never really understood what the hell banks do. The FDIC took control of the embattled First Republic, then immediately announced the sale. The failure will cost the FDIC about $13 billion. That's awesome. The money will be paid by the nation's banks, which pay premiums to support the agency. Yeah. So every bank has to pay into the FDIC to make sure that there's an insurance policy for all their deposits that qualify for the FDIC. Uh, what was your first clue? Mm, I'm not sure what that is referring to. <clears throat> The sales price is not disclosed in a statement from the FDIC, which conducted an auction among several banks to see which would end up with the First Republic's assets. Yeah. Uh, so, another bank has failed. 
Uh, this is not looking good. This is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. So, <laughs> uh, just waiting for J.P. Morgan to <laughs> into the wind. So, yeah, U.S. Air Force moves strategic air tankers from Germany to Poland. Uh, this is through Zero Hedge. More stuff is moving around. We now know that there are U.S. troops in Ukraine that are assisting the Ukrainian military. 19 American in-flight refueling aircraft will be stationed at the Pouts Air Base in western Poland. According to the U.S. magazine Stars and Stripes, this is the latest sign that the U.S. armed forces are shifting combat resources to strengthen NATO's eastern flank. The U.S. Air Force Command in Europe confirmed on March 10th, March 10th, and this article just came out May 1st. Yeah, so it confirmed March 10th of this year, American air tankers began working in their new main location in Poland. So that was almost two months ago they've been doing this. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I think uh, certain reporters have been charged with different uh, weird internet crimes. Um, because they were reporting stuff like this as it was happening <clears throat> on Twitter. Yeah, uh, James Gordon Meek. And um, they're now reporting this two months after the fact that they've been do using these refueling jets in Poland instead of Germany. Uh, this was done as part of Operation Copper Arrow, which demonstrated the efforts of the U.S. military command in Europe to strengthen security on NATO's eastern flank through forward deployment and stationed forces. So yeah, we're moving stuff around. We're setting up basically permanent bases in Poland at this point in order to help support Ukraine. Things are not looking good. And um, that is the last article that I have for today. Uh, I may have some interesting stuff coming up. I'm getting in touch with a few people. And... Uh, there is the, the possibility that I may start having a guest on this, this show here. So if I can figure that out, I'm not exactly the most tech-savvy guy. As you can see, I love my special effects. My, my green screen back... No, no, this is, all, this is all real, legit. I'd probably have better lighting if it was professional. Oh, I just love the names that they give to their operations. Copper Arrow... What about that sounds efficient? Aluminum, yeah, it's lightweight. It would travel farther. Copper? Okay. Yeah, it's just weird. So anyways, uh, that is about it for me today. Uh, I still have a few things to do before I go to work. Uh, I may have to move that little fluffy chick into a brooder before I go. And um, hope everyone is doing well. Keep on typing.